What is up, everybody? I'm back with another edition of the Macro Insights Podcast, and I'd like to thank everybody listening on Podcasting 2.0 apps, such as Fountain and Streaming Me Sats. Uh, I really appreciate that. It lets me know that you guys really do find value in what I'm doing, so I really appreciate it. I deeply enjoy all these conversations, so um, you know, seeing the messages and everything like that and the feedback from you guys is crucial, so feel free to either send me a boost, leave me a comment, tweet at me, do something like that, and tell me how you like the show. So, um, and on that note too, uh, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. I, uh, the show is growing at a crazy rate. So I really do appreciate the support and everybody sharing, uh, but I'm trying to grow my YouTube as well. So feel free to subscribe there. You can see my pretty little face and, uh, the guests and everything like that and see us interacting at least, uh, over zoom and everything like that as well. But long-winded intro, and I really appreciate you listening through at this point with me, but I got a very special guest. Thomas Thornton. So if you've been around Twitter, Tommy has uh, done great Twitter spaces. He puts out a great newsletter, daily notes, three times a day. Um, So you can really get your value and get everything you want, I guess, out of Tommy um, from those daily notes. So be sure to check out that in the link. And he brings a wealth of experience. We talk about the current situation, a lot of things going on, and the surprising strength of the consumer. Uh, So the consumer, jobs report, everything like that what all that really means and it is overall a great conversation and i really enjoyed having tommy on this one but as always ladies and gentlemen this is not financial advice and should never be taken as financial advice the the podcast is strictly for entertainment purposes only and it is both the opinions of tommy and myself and should not 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 be taken as financial advice because as always ladies and gents this is not financial advice now let's get into the show whoosh what is up everybody i'm back with another edition of the macro insights podcast and i've got a very special guest here i've got tommy thornton tom how are you doing today i don't know if you heard my in the back listening to me already uh just uh asking questions for me i guess uh about you um but Let's get it started right there. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I um, I currently live in Greenwich, Connecticut. I've been here for 20 years. I um, moved here and joined a, a hedge fund and uh, was I think it was pretty successful for about 11 years. And then um, it disbanded. That was a story in itself. And then... Uh, uh, several years back, uh, I really missed doing the same research that I did while at my hedge fund. So I launched a firm called Hedge Fund Telemetry, which basically brings together a lot of different types of research and delivers it uh, via three emails a day to subscribers all over the world. And it, my background, I, I track market sentiment. I look at technicals using DeMarc analysis, um, other technical indicators, a lot of internal indicators. Uh, I have a trade idea sheet that uh, offers trade ideas uh, and uh, it's, you know, rather popular. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've built up a great following on Twitter and I'm sure on other social media sites and everything like that. But, you know, it, it is kind of like a unique trend that I feel like has started fairly recently with, you know, a lot of 
you know, hedge fund managers or people that have kind of worked in that industry to start, you know, kind of sharing their content, sharing their research and other things like that. So, you know, what was the motivation for you to kind of get started and just, you know, really just putting out your research like that? Well, I, I was actually sending, um, I never really left the markets. Um, I worked for uh, the founder of my hedge fund, um, his family office, and I still was putting out that same research. And I started sending it to a few friends, um, hedge fund people, got around to some pension funds, equity, mutual funds, and it started to become a thing. And then one of my old traders, who's a, our financials trader, told me, he said, look, you're not making any money doing this. Uh, why don't you put it out there on Twitter and see if anybody wants it? And that was 2017. And it uh, really just took off. And uh, it's been really nice. Uh, really enjoy meeting a lot of people around the world. Uh, I've tried to keep it at a very cost effective price uh, for more people to, to uh, check out and uh, hopefully bring something to their own process. I'm not trying to be the process. I'm trying to show people other ways where they can add to their process, look at mar looking at market sentiment, uh, whether it's uh, DeMarc indicators or the internals that I look at. Uh, I also track short interest. Um, I am affiliated uh, with another company called Erlinger Research, and we do bi-monthly uh, short interest webinars. So it's, um, it, it's just... The, really my joy of looking at the markets uh the good days and the bad days um it's just um i don't know i don't want to call it an addiction but um i really do truly enjoy um analyzing the markets every day yeah and we're, we're kind of in an interesting time right now that i think you know uh, very few you know you're, you're always hearing the headlines right unprecedented time unprecedented time all this and that there's a lot of unique scenarios kind of surrounding you know not only the market just the overall kind of macro global economy right now but it seems like everybody kind of has an opinion on that so you know when you put out ideas you know and you're kind of like forward facing like you are it leaves for people who have differences of opinion and, you know, maybe uh, come at it, come at it, or, uh, you know, maybe aren't the nicest in, in some way. Have you kind of noticed that? Or do you know, you have you kind of had more, I guess, in-depth and kind of thought-provoking uh, discussions on Twitter and other mediums like that, where it's kind of helped you like hone your strategy? Uh, I'll say this. Uh, I don't really pay that much attention to a lot of people on Twitter. And I've actually tried to limit the amount of people that I follow, or actually I follow a lot of people, but I, I don't look at it as much as I used to. Um, I just keep my head down and, and do what I do. Um, of course, you get dissenting opinions all the time. And sometimes when it's always one, one of my favorite things, when I put in an idea and I say I'm, I'm buying this or shorting that, uh, someone will say good luck. And whenever I get that, that's like this offhanded insult. And I know that I'm probably going to be right. It's just a great early sentiment read that uh, is, is fun to fun to watch. But um, yeah, you know, Twitter sort of a minefield. Um, I've met a lot of really great people on Twitter. I've blocked a lot of really mindless people as well. Um, I, I keep my head down. I do the same research I do. Um, it's not going to necessarily make any changes in my life. 
Yeah, that's good. You know, you're, you're kind of blocking out the noise, so to speak, and just kind of keep doing the strategy that's, you know, got you to where you're at right now. So, you know, great, great on you for, for kind of tuning all that out. But um, I want to get into the current macro times, right? I, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but there's been a lot of crazy, you know, things going on. Um, you know, obviously the, the massive amounts of QE, the global economy shutting down for multiple months at a time. And, you know, the list is almost endless, it seems like these days. But, um, you know, we're kind of in uh, a unique period. Uh, so I'm going to leave it a little broad and just ask, you You know, overall, like, how do you view it um, right now? Because uh, there's kind of, you know, the debate that are we in a recession? Are we not? You know, how this overall strength of the economy and et cetera, et cetera. So I'll leave the fl the floor is yours. I'll leave it a little bit okay. more open ended. But how do you kind of view the current times right now? All right. I'll, I, there's there's a lot um, to go with here. So first of all, uh, the COVID response from the Fed was unprecedented. And yes, there are a lot of times in my life that I've heard unprecedented. And that's partly because they always ratchet things up a little bit more at certain periods. Um, in 1998, when uh, long-term capital blew up, it was unprecedented that the Fed stepped in with the big banks and bailed them out. We could look back on the great financial crisis and what the Fed's response was with you know, direct injections into banks. Uh, you can look at QE from Ben Bernanke uh, that just was sort of global in, in scale. You can look back on the europeans that and the asian markets uh japan notably um uh, with negative interest rates which is still uh puzzling to me as maybe the worst uh idea ever by a central bank so we have that and then um so going back to the covid response uh you know i think that everybody was just blown away not knowing what to do and the fed could have done less, um, but they did too much. And everything is in hindsight, of course. But now here we are with a $9 trillion balance sheet. Uh, they have the QT occurring right now, which is a hundred uh, hundred uh, billion uh, coming off the, uh, uh, the, uh, the balance sheet. Uh, it's it, it it's actually um excuse me 100 million billion million um it's it's it it's mindless to me when i hear people talk about the fed getting ready to cut rates okay so you have to think that if they're trying to reduce their balance sheet uh that is that is a form of tightening uh if they start if they continue to raise rates that's a form of tightening but why would they do one versus the other? Um, it just makes no sense to me. I think the Fed has made a lot of very poor decisions over the years. Um, I joke and say that they, they're they really good at fixing problems that they create. And then what they fix the problem with, they have to redo again and again and again and go through this cycle of more stimulus, um, trying to take it off, but not really. Uh, so the problem I see right now is that um, the Fed, the Fed um, has become too much of a focus in the market. And the, the market 
is trying to tell the Fed, no, we we want you to cut rates. Um, they've been pushing down the two-year and 10-year, and uh, you know the curve is still um, rather inverted. And I, I really believe that uh, the market has it wrong. I think the Fed, in their response for fighting inflation, I think the 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 scary thing is is that they're they're making it up as they go and they'll they'll say something and Powell in my opinion is really has done himself no favors by really uh coming out and and oh we're going to have a hawkish message in the in the statement and then essentially reversed it all and was incredibly dovish he did it uh last it was a July or August. Um, I think it was late July last that meeting. And um, to me, it's that constant walking back um, where he's giving the, the market something to hope for and they rally the market. And then all of a sudden they have to walk it back. And it's just bad messaging, in my opinion. And the Fed, this Fed especially, thinks that they are giving the markets really clear messaging and they're trying to be upfront and say, this is, this is um, what you should be expecting. They don't want surprises with the market. But the, the problem that I see is that the financial conditions are looser today than they were when the Fed started to, to tighten. And that poses two risks. The first risk is that inflation won't come down as fast as hoped and that that is um that's one very likely situation that we're in the second is and this is a bigger problem and i'm not sure if it's going to happen but i wouldn't put it past any anybody right now um the way the markets are, are are reacting is that inflation starts to increase again and that's not unprecedented we're going back to unprecedented the 70s saw uh, several period you know the period of high inflation they saw dips and the fed backed off and then they had to tighten again that was uh, with arthur burns and he was you know looked back on um through history as sort of a failure and i think powell's going to be looked back at as a failure as well and that um that's where we are with the Fed and that macro scene. So I got a couple more th ideas. Um, the dollar. So we've had like one trade, either the dollars going up, rates are going up, commodities are going up, stocks are going down, and we've reversed that uh, with the dollar going down. We've had stocks going up, rates are going lower, commodities are 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 sinking. I'm just writing a report on commodities right now. So I think that that could reverse. And it didn't look very good for commodities uh, last last Friday. It was just a dreary day. And uh, I think the dollar signal, uh, we've been, we actually caught the dollar top pretty well. And now we've been, for the last week and a half, been expecting the dollar to have some sort of reversal and we'll see how far it goes. But uh, last Friday's move was uh, was a pretty good first step to see if that can continue. Um, 
you know, the, there's a lot of animal spirits in the market right now. The, a lot of people in the stock market um, are buying back stuff that was really beat down over the last year. A lot of garbage. I mean, you, you can look at Carvana, Bed Bath & Beyond. Those are structurally bankrupt companies. They're, you know, up hundreds of percent. Um, you can look at Tesla uh, as one that is up, you know, 90% off the lows. Um, I, I think these are just reactionary type bounces and they'll probably start to fade. So I'll, I'll, I'll go back to you on, on you can yeah. ask me any questions in, in between yeah. there. Sure. I mean, that, that was a lot to unpack there. Right. But I mean, it, it was a great kind of summary as to, you know, where we're kind of at, you know, maybe where we'll be looking back at it in history and everything like that. But I want to get back a little bit to Powell and kind of, you know, his, I guess, role in all of this, because it seems like, like you said, the market almost seems to be trying to direct him or, or seems to be like kind of screaming for a pivot, essentially. And in the last Fed meeting, he basically, you know, they, they raised by 25 basis points a little bit uh you know less than the 75 that they've been doing you know the past couple meetings but in that meeting he also said that he doesn't plan on you know uh pulling back or or uh you know pivoting for the rest of the year but you know it seems like kind of general market sentiment is that he's going to kind of go back on that and you you mentioned it a little bit already where he's been having to backtrack a lot um you know where they they say something and he kind of has to seems like he's kind of sticking his foot in his mouth uh, in, a, in a meeting a few months down the road. So you kind of foresee, I guess, uh, maybe a situation like that with with the interest rates policy throughout the rest of the year where, you know, maybe there will be a pivot uh, towards the end. Or do you think that, you know, they're going to hold true just kind of based on, you know, a lot of the factors that you were talking about earlier? Well, I think that they could just stay, you know, they could they could get to uh, the terminal rate and then see see what happens and uh that is you know we're looking around five percent on the fed funds rate yeah we could get there and then their plan was to just stop and uh and and see how in you know what happens with inflation and that that gives them the potential to be able to if they have to raise uh, if they have to raise uh, you know the fed funds rate higher to control inflation then they'll do it uh there's you know, the, the problem I see is what if they aren't controlling inflation? The stock market is going up and it's not going to be a, a, a beneficial thing for their fight against uh, inflation. We've already seen a lot of job cuts uh, within technology companies. Those are high profile, but we're not seeing it in the jobs data. The jobs data is absolutely as good as it gets. Um, and if someone said the Fed would be raising rates as much as they have, and the unemployment rate would be at three and a three point four percent. I think we, nobody would have believed that. Um, I still can't believe it. Um, it's it's super low, but that will start to tick up, and I think that uh, that's you know the the market has had this bad news is is good news type situation, um, but we could start to see, um, well, we might still see good news, um, on the economy. Um, and that, that could, you know, put a crimp in their hopes for, uh, rate cuts. I, I just don't see rate cuts this year at all. I think it makes no sense. 
Um, the only way you'd see you'd get rate cuts is if there's some sort of dislocation in the market and the S&P is trading under 3,500, maybe 3,000, um, you know, from the valuation levels, uh, 3,000 actually makes more sense. And, you know, so again, I, I just, the market going up and people thinking, oh, we'll be buying the market because the Fed's going to cut. Um, I think that's just ill-advised. Um, don't don't see that happen. I can't see the Fed cutting rates at with the S&P at all-time highs. Uh, just makes <laughs> no sense to me at all. Yeah, and uh, you know I, I agree with you there too. I, I don't really foresee them them doing that this year as well. Um, but obviously, you know, you have a lot more experience in the market than me. But uh, I also kind of thought that they were they weren't going to slow down quite as much as they were. Just kind of like based on what Powell was saying, you know, going from seventy five to twenty five. I thought you know, maybe this one. Um, obviously, as it got closer to the event, it seemed you know almost like a guarantee that they were going to raise by 25 basis points. But I thought, you know, in that in between time, I thought, you know, maybe that they would raise by 50 or so. But you brought up the unemployment data and, and everything that kind of comes along with that. It seems like unemployment or layoffs are making a lot of headlines, especially when it comes to the tech sector. Um, but there's been like kind of a lot of, you know, maybe debate back and forth, or at least that, from what I've seen as to, you know, maybe not necessarily the, the validity of the data or anything like that, but a lot of these jobs and these layoffs uh, from the tech sector, it seems like a lot of them have been able to get, you know, reemployed within two to three months, or at least that's kind of seems like average, like anecdotal stories I'm hearing all over Twitter or people are getting laid off and then going to another job where they're getting a, you know, a big, a big pay and other things like that. So, um, you know, do, do you still kind of see, I guess, this unemployment data being kind of a lagging indicator and that it's going to go up kind of throughout the year uh, as planned. And, um, you know, I, I guess, yeah, now the floor is yours. I'll let you have that one. Well, one, I just want to go, go back one, one thing. Um, the, the, it's possible the Fed downshifted to 25 basis points so they can keep doing 25 basis point hikes. And I think for March, it's a given that they're going to do that. Uh, the next meeting is six weeks later. I think it's early May, or maybe late April. I'm sorry. I'm, it's a Sunday. I, I you know, haven't had enough coffee. <laughs> but I, I think that if anything, they may have downshifted so they can continue to do 25 basis point hikes longer to continue to put off the inevitable rate cuts. So that may be their their basis of why they're downshifting. Uh, as far as the unemployment rate, so one thing that um, I always tell people, watch the jobless claims data around the 12th of every month. And so that's next week's numbers because they do the survey for the non-farm payroll and the unemployment rate. Those are to totally separate uh, reports uh, done by two different um, organizations. So the, that's when they do the survey. Uh, we've seen such low jobless claims. Um, that every time I see one, you know, it comes out and it's under 200,000. It's just like, I, I blush because it's so good. Um, but I think that is, um, you know, I think you're going to see unemployment continue to go continue to go up. I think you're going to see, and I can actually see 5% unemployment, which is a very low number. 
But the problem that um, that typically happens is once unemployment starts to go up, it continues to go up for quarters, not just, you know, three months. It's going to go up probably for a year. And the the other thing that in the data that um, was really surprising is the wages uh, continue to stay very sticky. So wages are really, really strong. And that, I think, is... Um, something the Fed's watching and and they can't do a whole lot. You know, one one other thing with the Fed that I, I, I kind of thought about is maybe they're they're being so maybe Powell was being so dovish because he thinks that that transitory inflation is actually still in play. Maybe he thinks that okay, it's coming down, the S P staying bid. Uh, jobs are good, wages are steady, but unemployment's or um, the, the CPI's uh, drifting down. You've got energy prices lower. You, you've, you've got, you know, maybe we'll see rents come down. There's a big adjustment that they're going to do for rents that will basically lower CPI uh, and, you know, undercut the amount of um, the shelter and rents uh, that was used in the CPI calculation. So that's, you know, whenever they change the rules, it's kind of like, uh, um, so maybe that's his plan. Maybe he, maybe he is fine with the market going up. Maybe he thinks that, okay, we'll, we'll be okay with a 4% uh, CPI and inflation rate. Maybe just we'll do it longer and year over year, it'll start to look better. And, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's his, his, um, his plan. I, I, I don't know, but. I, I just think that if anything, it's it it is hurting the economy. It will hurt the economy. It will hurt consumers. And if you look at the M2 numbers, uh, as far and savings rate numbers, um, there's still cash in a lot of people's bank accounts. But unfortunately, that's starting to dwindle down because you're seeing credit card usage um, increase for staples and energy bills and things like that, that typically is not a good sign. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you kind of nailed it on the head there with uh, the credit card, uh, you know, being almost at, a, I think, at like an all time high with credit card debt in the United States and personal savings being extremely low these days as well. Um, so, you know, when it comes to the to the consumer and kind of, you know, that like cog, I guess, um, you know, how are you kind of like analyzing that as to, you know, are you using that to kind of help gauge the strength of the economy and kind of gauge like where we're at in this cycle? Because it seems like, you know, the consumer is hurting somewhat, um, you know, with, with all these kind of like indicators. But it seems like, you know, like you said, that the stocks, stock market is still doing, you know, fine. We're having a lot of companies kind of rally and having a, a big jumps. But um you know, I guess, do you think that this is kind of just a sign of, uh, you know, maybe a little bear market rally and that, you know, eventually we're going to kind of come back down and get, get back to earth a little bit? Yeah, that that might have started uh, last Friday uh, with the market uh, pulling back. I, you know, I, I'm, I just started shorting home builders and home builder stocks are just on a terror. And if you listen to their conference calls, um, they made their numbers this last quarter. Um and, and with lowered guidance, uh, they they reported cancellation rates and new order rates that I've never seen so bad in my life. And the the economic data, when you see the uh, 
new home sales, pending new home sales data come out, that is actually skewed because that is when a consumer or family or whoever buys or puts a deposit on a new house. Um, so they go to uh, KB Home and they say, okay, I want to, I'll buy this house, sign it, sign me up. That gets uh, noted as a pending home sale. When they cancel, because they can cancel at any time uh, before it's done, that data doesn't get taken off of the the pending home sales. So it's, I think, a bit skewed at, the, at this point right now. There's a lot of supply, a lot of housing uh, or a lot of houses uh, that the home builders uh, built and are completing. And they, they, they had high, I mean, they had really a terrible situation where they built these homes with higher labor costs, higher material costs. And now you have higher interest rates uh, that I still think at three and a half percent on the tenure, it's, it's, it's still a lot higher than what the average consumer has been uh, paying for their mortgage. And the other thing is, consumers are sort of stuck in their home, their current home, and there's not going to be a lot of upward mobility uh, to move to a new house because, you know, to give the Fed credit with all those, that low interest rate, ultra low rates for the last 10 years, if you bought a home, you have a 2% mortgage, a 3% mortgage, and who wants to pay 6%? Nobody. It's a, it's a real you know, you're really going to have to have some sort of higher um, income that that's going to, you know, fill the delta there. So I think that people are not going to sell their house because they're going, they don't want to go out and buy a new one. Um, they might be able to afford it, but the mortgage is going to be more just because of the interest rate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you brought up an interesting, you know, part of the uh, overall economy right there, right? Housing, right? I mean, it's just going to be, you know, between like home builders and just like new people, like you said, like personal mortgage interest rates skyrocketing. And I know anecdotally, a lot of people that are, you know, somewhat trying to wait, um, you know, to quote unquote time the housing market, because I think that interest rates are essentially going to have to come back down to what they were during, uh, you know, 2020, where there were, you know, between two and 3%. Um, but personally, I don't think that they're ever going to get that low, maybe ever again, just because we're seeing kind of how inflated housing got and everything like that. But, you know, I guess overall, what kind of signals do you look at, you know, when it comes to the the housing market and and things like that? Because you, you talked about like new home sales and, you know, the, the personal mortgage rates. But, um, you know, it seems like housing is always kind of a lagging indicator. And, it, and I feel like, you know, it seems like it's kind of turning around just anecdotally. I mean, Tampa, it seems like, you know, that from what I know from realtor friends and everything else that it's starting to kind of heat up again. And I don't know if that's just kind of seasonality or whatnot, but um, you know, what, what are some of the things that you you're looking at um, as far as just, you know, diving into the housing market? Right. Well, it, you know, I think it's been a really slow six months um, because of rates moving higher. Uh, there's been a lot of uncertainty. The equity markets have been terrible, and and people are are. I think people and companies have held off making big decisions, and uh, that that's that's been the last six months. So there's a little bit of pent up. I want to buy a house, or I want to buy stocks. Um, a little bit of that right now. The one thing I, the one indicator I do look at when it comes to housing, and I think it's really the the most important, and it hasn't 
deteriorated is is the unemployment rate. So we start to see unemployment go up. Uh, most of the time, people if they get if they're unemployed uh, and they're they stay unemployed for a certain amount of time, uh, they sell their house and or they lose their house. You can look at the the earlier types of indicators uh, versus a house, and you can see auto uh, delinquencies, uh, the auto uh, debt or um, car payment delinquencies have spiked. The repo rates, uh, repossessions have been off the charts. And I think that's a real concern as well. So if you start to see those things, uh, usually leads into other stress in for the consumer. And, and to be quite honest, and I, I'm really surprised that the consumers held up as strong as, as they have. The other, the other thing that um, has really been a big uh, focus is demand. And I think this is really important from the macro stance. When the Fed raises rates, um, their job is to hurt demand. I mean, crimp demand and, and put, uh, make it harder for people to purchase and buy things uh, for whatever reason. And, 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 uh, companies and and that that's been um, somewhat muted, um, but I think that um, like I'm looking right now at Apple and Tesla, and they are big players in China, from uh, their their production to their consumers in China, and now that you have China reopening, which is also an inflationary event, or should be. Um, unprecedented. Um, it, you're going to have a clean quarter. So this this is Q1 is is, is going to be a clean quarter where you're going to have the supply chains working. You're going to have China reopened, and now you're going to you're going to have to test the demand of your products. And are iPhones selling enough? Um, are Teslas selling enough? You know, there there there's signs in the channel that you can get an iPhone you walk into any store, you can get it. It's not that hard to get. Uh, there's signs that you can buy a Tesla immediately. There's lots of inventory. Uh, those are the things that they've, they've lowered, they've lowered prices here and there. I mean, I, I, I had to get a new iPhone because I dropped mine and uh, I got a thousand dollars back from the broken phone that I have, uh, which I was like, I didn't ask for that, but that's, that's nice. Wasn't broken that bad, but uh, the te Tesla lowered prices. Uh, you know, they did it to clear inventory as well to uh, get some uh, tax credits for the consumer. Uh, but lowering your cost or your your prices uh, will hit your margins, and Tesla's had good margins, uh, so that's going to be all at, at, at in play here in Q1. So Q1 earnings, I think, are going to be really really important. And you're going to have a lot of them that that we've had this quarter. You know, it was better than feared. Apple was better than feared. Okay, well, it's Q1. It's reopened. Supply chains are fine. Um, let's see what your demand's like this quarter. And you know, I think that's going to be the real tell. Yeah. So um, you know, we, we've kind of gone over like the current you know situation. You talked about you know some of the things that you're looking at, uh, especially this upcoming quarter with a lot of earnings, right? The kind of supply and demand aspect and, and other things like that. Like, are they are these companies kind of able to you know as, as all these 
quote unquote inflationary events are happening? Like, are they still, you know, keeping up with, with demand and other things like that? So, um, but I want to get to a little bit, I guess, more of a, a forward facing question or, or future outlook question. What is uh, something that you're going to be looking at that's, you know, going to be your sign that maybe the economy is kind of, uh, you know, flipping around and instead of this, you know, doom and gloom where we're seeing it either go, go downwards or, or something like that, um, you know, maybe we're in a recession, you know, we could, I guess that, that topic's in, in debate right now, depends on who you ask and whatnot, but what are some of the indicators that you're going to be looking at, you know, down the line that, uh, you know, maybe you could point to and say like, all right, once it hits, you know, X amount or something like that, that I kind of see the economy, you know, turning around. Well, there's the soft landing versus hard landing debate on as far as, and then will we go into a recession or will we not? And I think it's, uh, it, you know, you don't, you don't, you usually get a soft landing and then you get a hard landing because you know, I said it the other day, like it, you, you landed on a plane and you're going down the runway and it's all fine, but the plane doesn't stop and goes right off the runway. That's a hard landing. Uh, so the, the problem is um, we, we, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get a, we're going to get a landing actually, uh, because I feel like the, economy just continues to chug along uh jobs are still good you're still seeing generally good earnings nothing i mean there, there's this is not necessarily a, a banner quarter that we've just had but it's not a disaster the stock market's still holding up unemployment's fine again and um you, you've you, so maybe we're not landing yet and i don't see inflation as the thing that's going to um, that's going to do it overnight. I think it's going to take probably six months if, if that to get unemployed or get inflation, the CPI under 4%, if that. And so my view is sort of, I, I can't really say if we're in a recession or not. I don't think we are technically, Um I mean, a lot of people vary on the way they measure inflation or uh, recessions now, but it, it's, it could happen maybe later in the year. And that is when I think that the awareness, self-awareness part for the Mac or for the market participants are going to start to wake up and say, you know what, it, it's, it's worse than expected. It's it like this, Q1 uh, in April and May, uh, are the earnings, are they getting better? Or are they getting worse? If they continue to stay not so great, and let's look at like Amazon's AWS, their Amazon web service or web services. It's it's their key business. It was growing at 40% a year ago. Uh, expectations was this quarter to be uh, growing at, at 28%, uh, they missed that. And expectations for next quarter was for 24% and they lowered it to 20%. So that's a big deceleration of growth. And if that continues and we're in the teens, what's to say that this goes into no a no growth uh, period? 
Apple's numbers weren't great either. And I can't really say that if you look at a lot of the data, they're, they're not really growing. They're, they're actually, uh, they still, I mean, still it's a brilliant company. Their, um, their cash flow is actually, it's steady, but the, the amount of money cash versus debt because of their buybacks is starting to dwindle. Um, I'm not concerned about that, but the, the big point is um, the longer we go where it's not growing is the non-landing period. So everybody wants to land and move on and everything get better immediately. And that's the immediacy of the generation that we're in right now. Uh, it takes time. And even if you go back to 2000, 2001, when we really peaked, and this is sort of a similar period where we had a tech get blown up in Q4 2000 and tech came roaring back in early 2021 or 2001. And, um, and then really, you know, fell apart um, for another couple of years. So that may be the landing. It just may take longer. Um, and we'll see if we get that soft landing and if the plane can't stop, then it's a hard landing. And then we've got all sorts of other things. And then maybe the Fed will cut rates. Yeah, right. It's, uh, it's like very reactionary, it seems, at this point, where it's like, you know, they're, they're getting all this data and then they're kind of looking at it and it's all, you know, backward facing or kind of lagging indicators, so to speak. So, um, you know, it seems like uh, once the Fed kind of decides to maybe pull back or, or pivot or whatnot, it's probably going to be a little bit too late or, or at least that's that's the way it's been seeming so far. Right. I mean, everybody can kind of play Monday morning quarterback and, and look back at, at what they've done and kind of point to mistakes that they've made throughout this way. But, um, you know, uh, so I, I guess uh, you brought up tech because we, we've seen like a big giant boom in tech and whether it's Tesla, Apple, or not even Apple, but some of these other, you know, uh, stocks that have seen increased volatility. And then we've also seen, you know, you brought up Bed Bath & Beyond. You know, we had the, the GameStop kind of fiasco uh, during COVID. So it seems like there's been a lot of volatility in the market and a lot of it's either, you know, based on retail kind of coming in or big booms in tech. So, you know, as tech has been kind of one of the industries that's been hurting lately, you know, do you kind of still see, uh, you know, a lot of volatility kind of heading that way in, uh, you know, the tech sector or, um, you know, maybe I guess still some room for stuff like Bed Bath & Beyond or, or GameStop to kind of still happen where it's just unexplained volatility and you see, you know, stocks kind of uh, not really making too much sense based on, you know, the earnings and, and everything else. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I can look at and say it really doesn't make a lot of sense. And, um, you know, the, there's there's this uh, casino-like mentality that we are back to uh, that we had in, in 2020 and 2021. And it's the, you know, the short-term zero, you know, zero data expiration option uh, volumes are just incredible. And it's not just retail buying out of the money calls in Tesla or NVIDIA or something else. Uh, it's, it's institutions doing the same thing. And I, I'm not a fan at all of having expirations for futures every single day. It just, it, it makes... Um, or S&P futures or SPY, QQQ options, every single um, 
every single day and it's, it's I'm waiting for them to start opening it up on the weekends. Uh, the problem is that that it's causing these really um, wide uh, swings with uh, the dealers. The dealers um, are the option traders at the, the banks and the brokers that uh, basically they have to delta hedge uh, position. So if someone comes in and buys a lot of out of the money options that expire Friday for Tesla, they have to buy a delta weighted amount uh, of stock. And if that continues to go up, they have to continue to buy more stock to hedge out the potential for that, that option. And if that option out of the money doesn't get nailed or surpassed, uh, then those option buyers have to sell or they expire worthless. Thus the Delta weighted uh, hedges get sold down as well. And we've seen that a lot. You can almost see it intraday. There's a couple sites that really do a great job at, at highlighting that action. And uh, the, the other thing is if we, we've seen this just massive amount of call buying and it, the last week's action was like the 99.8 percentile of highest call buying um, ever uh, in in one week. Um, there's a lot of it, there's a lot of talk about short covering as well, and we're we're pretty uh, plugged in on that. And I'll say that there is there is a lot there's been a lot of short covering. And I'm looking. Wait, hold on. I can tell you my I have a screen here. My yeah, the last five days, the Goldman Sachs short interest um, or the most shorted basket is up 10%. And the last five days, the S&P is up 1.6%. So there's been a huge short squeeze. Um, but the one thing that um, what we've noticed is there weren't really that many people short because hedge funds are not necessarily that exposed as much as you think watching the action. It's just um, they have really low exposure historically um, in the markets. Um, they just haven't come back. And when they come back, they have to, if they're long short, which is what I did, they come back and they add shorts, add longs, and add exposure uh, together. So their their net exposure is still pretty pretty low. But it, I think it hit a level where it, where it was... This week, um, where, where, where it was in August after that last peak in August. So at like 46%. So it's not, you know, not too high. So that's kind of um, the craziness of with the casino mentality, the short-term options. Um, it's just a, it's just an accident waiting to happen. And I'm not quite sure who's going to be exposed to that. I think most likely it'll be retail traders that end up, you know, burning their capital, um, trying to, you know, hit it on black. And um, that's, that's the problem. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was great. Kind of the, the overall, just like kind of, yeah, like casino mentality, it seems like, right. I mean, we had the stocks only go up, like all that kind of stuff for the past couple of years. So it does seem like there's a lot of exposure to that in the market and everything like that. And microcosm is, is we're seeing a basically a bunch of volatility you know seemingly because of it but 
you know, Tom, you, you've been great and uh, very generous with your time. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. I feel like there's definitely room for another conversation for us to have down the road. So, you know, you're always welcome to come back on. But why don't you tell everybody what you got going on and where they can find you? Okay. Uh, well, thank you for having me. And and definitely let's uh, let's uh, do this again. Uh, please let's find me when the market's at its most volatile uh, and um you might even catch me uh, leaning a little bit more on the bullish side. So that's uh, that would be great. Uh, so I am uh, Tom Thornton. Hedge Fund Telemetry is my site. Uh, everybody can go check it out. I focus on market sentiment. Uh, I put out three notes a day. I'm in on the weekends, as you see in my office, and uh, putting out uh, three notes on the weekend. Uh, if uh, anybody wants to subscribe, uh, we do have a deal. Uh, if you put in the code markets, you'll get 250 off the 750 annual rate and uh, put that in as a code and check out. And uh, but please reach out um, if you have any questions. And uh, but yeah, definitely. Let's do this again. And um, good, good questions. A uh, lot going on and it's going to be a long year. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a lot going on and, and it doesn't leave us short of any topics to talk about. So yeah, we'll definitely have you on and I'll put everything that you mentioned to you in the show notes and in the comments below. So wherever you're checking this out, be sure to follow Tom on Twitter. He puts out some great tweets and everything like that. And then uh, yeah, check out his newsletter. I know you put out great stuff as well. So Tom, thanks so much for your time. And uh, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, thank you. I, I enjoyed it too. Thank you. <laughs>